We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on uh, another week to talk about college football and some things going on in the world of football as well. Um, Again, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I myself just got back from a little little vacation with my wife. We went up to Michigan. Uh, I got to see Detroit Pistons game, which I love. Diehard Pistons fan, diehard Lions fan. I'm from from Michigan, from Flint, Michigan. So I've been a diehard Detroit sports fan my whole life and got to do some other things too. So a uh, good time to unwind and just kind of refresh and reset a little bit. And Glad to... Glad to be back home with the kids and getting back in the swing of things with work and everything. But nonetheless, uh, some obviously some interesting things going on in the world of football and college football. But first, I got to start off with the, of course, the tragic uh, passing of Dwayne Haskins. Um, Not very long ago, 2018, he had one of the greatest college football seasons ever seen um, in I'll talk about that a little bit in a, in, in a couple minutes, but I first want to talk about um, just how tragic life or how short life can be and how how uh, things can change in an instant. Um, Dwayne Haskins was in Florida getting ready to train with his teammates, or he was training with his teammates with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Mitch Trubinsky and a bunch of the wide receivers and offensive guys were down there working and uh and just the day before uh, a couple of, I mean 12 hours before he was on social media and you could tell he was just excited to be a part of part of everything and that he was excited to work and just uh get ready for the upcoming season and unfortunately um the Lord had other plans but um, the reports have said he ran out of gas, got out of his car. Somebody clipped him, and unfortunately, that that uh, that's how it happened. But um, I, I know there's been a lot of things, or I, I shouldn't say a lot. There's been a handful of things in the media that some very high-paid people in the media have said about him that, that are just very unethical and just not right um and and i'm not here to bring those people down or talk badly about people but there i made i made a tweet about this the other day when it happened and 99 percent of the people in sports media are good people and they just want to report factual things and just do a good job and be the best that they can be but it's the 1% out there that ruin it and give us, give people like me and other people in sports media a bad name. Um, 
just for and and I understand that you want to be the first to report and all this and that, but you want to be factual and you want to do things the right way. I mean, I hear a lot of things from different sources that I have, but I don't come out and say everything that I hear because I want to make sure it's the facts. I don't just want to report something without without knowing that it's for real. Um, but again, just a tragic passing of a a 24-year-old uh, young man who had so much life ahead of him. I mean, he he got to fulfill his dream playing in the NFL. He was a high draft pick and just living his dream and unfortunately it didn't didn't work out the way that he may have intended but nonetheless but let I got I will have to talk about the year that he had in 2018 and the just the records that he broke in just that one season um he redshirted in 2016 his freshman year, and then he played eight games in 2017 when he was JT Barrett's backup. Um, but then he just burst onto the scene in 2018, started every game, went 13 and one, um, and threw for 48, 48, over 4,800 yards, had 50 touchdown passes, ran for four more. I mean, it, it was a special, special year that he had. I mean, he won. Pretty much every offensive award you could think of from a quarterback's perspective. Um, took them to the Rose Bowl. He was the MVP of the 2019 Rose Bowl. Um, set a ton of school records, single season records at Ohio State. Um, he set some Big Ten records as well for a single season. So, I mean, he had one of the best seasons ever. Um, and it led to him being Heisman Trophy finalist and just uh, some big-time things for him. And so he entered the draft, tried to strike gold while he had an opportunity, which I, I, I think any anybody in his shoes and circumstances would have done the same thing. I mean, you just had one of the greatest seasons in the history of college football from a quarterback perspective. Um, so obviously you would then expect him to enter his name in the draft and, and be one of those, be one of the top guys drafted. And he was, um, the Washington football team or now commanders, uh, took him high in the draft and what happened is what happened. But, I mean, he, like I said, he had a fantastic season and he tried to strike rich when he had the opportunity, which I think, like I said, I think any of us would do that if we're in that circumstance. So you can't pass judgment there. I know there's some people that have, but uh, I, I, I'm not here to do that. I just want to praise the young man for, for having the career that he had. And getting to fulfill his dream of being an NFL quarterback and to fill his, fulfill his dream of being the quarterback at Ohio State. I mean, I think we've all seen the video back from him um, when he was a kid. The video was in 2008. Um, I was in college at the time myself. And he 
he's on he he's uh if you haven't seen the video he's a young kid he's got a Ohio State football jersey on with his own name on the back of it and they're touring the facility and his dad asks him in the video what do you think and young Dwayne Haskins says I'm going to be the quarterback at Ohio State this is where I'm going to go to college so the young man gets to fulfill his lifelong dream and did exactly what he said he was going to do so there's not very many people in this world that can say that they've done that so kudos to him and uh, prayers for his family and loved ones during this hard time and um, all his friends that teammates and uh, that are affected by this and uh, just I hope that he rests in peace and that he was a man of God I pray that but now let's go into another another topic that's a little disturbing as well um, on a different level of course um, Circulating on social media, um, five-star 2023 uh, wide receiver, Jonte Cook II, uh, was on a visit to Texas A&M this past weekend um, for one of those junior, for one of the many, many junior days that's going on throughout the country. And uh, the video circulating is, it's a short 10, 15 second clip of him in a jersey and i mean he's being honest so i mean I, I can't fault the young man for his honesty but uh in the video he just says i, I can't lie i i don't see any football trophies here now yes okay texas texas a&m doesn't have those conference championships those national championships and all this and that they don't have those but their time is coming now I'm a former coach, former basketball coach myself. So I put myself in trying to put myself in Jimbo Fisher in the in the uh, position coach's shoes when they see this video. And I mean, I think your initial reaction is to pull your offer because it's like, okay, we want you want guys that want to be there and that are mature and that are that are there for the right reasons. Um, and for this, I don't want to speak for this young man. Obviously, I don't know him at all, but uh, it's a lack of maturity on his part to say that. Now, th- th- there's the other way to look at this, too. I mean, yes, that is the case. But, I mean, as a player, he should he should know that. I mean, before you go on your visit, you should know what, where you're going and a bit of the history of that program, at least. If you're worried about going to a school for championships, obviously your list is going to be pretty smaller or pretty small. I mean, you're going to have Alabama, you're going to have Clemson, you're going to have Ohio State, the likes of that. I mean, but the way I look at that is why don't you go be that change at Texas A&M? Why don't you go be a part of that that brings that conference, that SEC conference championship to Texas A&M or a potential national championship to Texas A&M? The time is coming for them. It, it, they, they will get there. They have too many resources. Jimbo Fisher's too good of a coach. Their recruiting classes of late have been fantastic. Obviously, the best recruiting class in the country this past year. Um, but th- there's so, – so the way I'm looking at it as a former athlete is why don't, why don't you want to go be a part of that then? Go be a part of that change that's going to make that happen. 
or if you're just if you're just searching for that championship, then find that group of schools. I mean, he's a five star player, so you know that those schools are recruiting him. It's just a, just a little disturbing uh, to see that. Um, just just for a couple reasons just like i said the lack of maturity and the just it it doesn't sit well with me as a former coach but i digress um now i want to talk a little bit about uh of course every week i have a uh of course i have a partnership with sidelines yukon so i uh Spent a little time every week talking about the Yukon Huskies. And something that my good friend from Sidelines Yukon, Michael, who runs the account, that we've we've talked at length about is de- has dealt with the Yukon offensive line play over the past few years. And it, it's been a complete lack of depth. Complete lack of depth. I mean, that's, even the starters haven't been up to par to what you want them to be to have a successful program but but it, it's been a complete lack of depth and th- this offseason Jim Mora and his staff focused a great deal on upgrading the offensive line and they did a tremendous job in doing that um, adding some transfers some big time transfers to help the program and then developing some of the guys that are there now so um just kind of looking at the first team and second team reps that i that i've seen um in spring ball uh i'm just gonna kind of talk a little bit about the guys that are on the list and just how much better it's going to be i mean this is going off the first team that i've seen for the most part um, with the reps that they're getting. Left tackle, uh, redshirt sophomore, Valentin Sin. He's six seven kid from Austria. He played Austria, not Australia, Austria. Um, he played three games last year in 2021 for the Huskies, but he is a transfer from Colorado. So this is a big kid who uh, was at a P5. Um, so you know that he has the tools to be successful obviously didn't appear in a ton of games last year he's still young a bit raw but the it's the potential's obviously there and uh i think it's going to come we're going to come and see it this year at left guard you got redshirt junior noel ofari nayadu he's 6'3 he's from arlington texas he played in eight games last year for the huskies he was in the rotation so this is a this is a guy who's gotten reps um for the huskies and been there and done that so i mean you feel comfortable at least plugging in a guy that uh that has had some playing time then you look at the center position this is where they got a huge upgrade um a grad grad student transfer from dartmouth so really really intelligent kid who was an fcs all-american so you're getting a kid who's the cream of the crop of that level and it can come in and step in right away and do some really good things for you jake godone he's 6'2 he's from westwood massachusetts like i said he's a dartmouth transfer and 
you name it, he has the accolades from the FCS level. Like I said, he was an All-American. He was a part of uh, two Ivy League championship teams. He was an all-conference player numerous years. I mean, like I said, you can name the accolades, first-team all-conference, blah, 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 all this and that. So this is a guy who had a ton of offers coming out of Dartmouth. He had a really good amount of offers and, and and I was tracking this kid through the process once he entered the portal and um he was a big time get for UConn he really was um or is I should say so that 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 one right there that's one to really get excited about as a for Husky fans then at right guard uh, you're going to see a familiar face um the guy who started um his freshman sophomore years redshirt junior christian haynes 6'3 like i said he started 12 games both in 2019 and last year in 2021 so i mean he's obviously going to be the guy you would think at the right guard position he's from Bowie, maryland um ton of experience that you're getting there so i mean you got a guy who's been there and done that and you feel comfortable with him there at that position at right tackle, you got sophomore uh, Christopher Fortain, who's six four. He's from Quebec, Canada. He played in six games last year. Again, he's a bit raw himself, um, but nonetheless, uh, somebody they're obviously comfortable with at that position. Big kid. Um, now the second team. This is where I think they take the next step. Now, I, I really believe. Because now they have some depth here, um, as as you'll see. Um, the left tackle, redshirt freshman, Danny Antolovic, he's 6'7". He's from Switzerland. He redshirted last year. Another one of those really, really raw players. But, I mean, he looks, he looks the part. That's for sure. And you know Coach Mora and the, the offensive line coach are going to get him ready. Um, to be in the rotation this year. Left guard, they got sophomore uh, Mason Raymer, 6'3", from Purcellville, Virginia. He hasn't played yet. He didn't play last year. Uh, surprised he didn't redshirt, but he's another young, raw player, but gives great depth there. Um, center, redshirt uh, freshman Yakari Walker from DeSoto, Texas. He's 6'2". He redshirted last year. So, I mean, those three guys, they're a young, um, bit of inexperience, but they give you a ton of potential there, and they give you that depth, which which I keep harping on and saying has been a huge issue for UConn over the past few years. Now, at right guard, um, you got a pretty good transfer who had a ton of suitors as well. Um, So I was kind of surprised to see him – See him getting second team reps. I thought maybe he would get one of the. I thought he might get the right tackle, left guard positions, but right now, from what I've seen, he's been the second team right guard. Uh, senior tr- transfer, Gamaliel Barboza from San Antonio, Texas. He's a transfer from UTEP. This is a guy who's been on the offensive line at UTEP for for three, three, four years. Who has plowed the way for multiple thousand yard rushers um a very run heavy offense at utep so this is a mauler on the offensive line so i i I really feel he's going to see plenty of time um, because they wouldn't have 
brought him in if that wasn't the case. And I mean, this is, like I said, this is a young man who had a ton of offers as well. So for him to pick UConn is a big deal. And then at right tackle, uh, redshirt junior, Nico Pahoa, 6'5", young man from Redwood City, California. He transferred in from Colorado via junior college. So he's transferring from a JUCO, but he was originally at Colorado. So this is another kid who has that P5 experience. Um, Again, looks the part. And I, I keep harping on it. I know I keep harping on it, but gives you tremendous depth now. So the UConn offensive line was, let's just call it what it, what it is, was abysmal last year. Um, the quarterbacks didn't have much time. The running backs had to do what they could do. It was a miracle that they had holes sometimes. Um, so the protection will be better. The run blocking will be better. It's just going to, everything's going to be better just having quality guys in place and then just that depth is going to be huge for the UConn off of the line. So like I said, me and my friend Michael Solomon, who runs the Sidelines UConn account, we've talked about this at length during the season and after the season. So this is something we've re- both of us have really followed, and I know we're super intrigued and excited about the guys that they have in place now. And it, it – it's still young. I mean, the spring is still here. Spring uh, games are in full swing, and they're going to be wrapping up soon. So there's going to be more guys transferring, so it'll be interesting to see who hits the portal. I saw a young man uh, from Old Dominion hit the portal today, a defensive back, and uh, the receiver who just transferred in from Old Dominion put on Twitter, give me a call. Um, so there's guys that can, at UConn trying to pull more guys in, trying to get as much help as they can get on this team. And, and, and I think it's because these guys realize what they have now um, with this staff, with Coach Mora. I mean, please go follow the UConn football Twitter account and see the Husky Revolution videos that they post weekly. Um, just amazing, amazing job that they're doing. Those 10-minute those clips that we get every week, they just fire you up. I mean, it, it, I'm, I I know my fandom of UConn started with this partnership. My fandom from a football perspective, I've always been a huge UConn women's basketball and men's basketball fan. But the football side of it has really come from this partnership. But it hasn't taken long for me to buy into the Husky revolution and to just the excitement around this program. And I hope that people feel the same way that I feel um, about this program and that, that they're on the rise. Um, want to talk a little bit now. This Saturday, I'm going to be going to the Northern Illinois University spring game. It's at 10 in the morning in DeKalb, Illinois, about a little under a two-hour drive for me, <clears throat> about two hours from where I live, let's just say. So I'm super, super excited about that. I went to a game there this past year, sat through a nearly three-hour weather delay and they ended up winning, beating Eastern Michigan in a really good football game. But the Huskies obviously won the MAC. They return a ton. They had 70 or so freshmen or sophomores last year playing. So this is a young team, brings back a lot of guys. Um, Rocky Lombardi, a quarterback, it is an upperclassman, but huge, huge piece that they bring back. So. This is a team that's really going to have a legitimate chance to repeat in the MAC. Um, 
if you had to ask me now who I thought was going to win the MAC, I would say Northern Illinois, followed by Western Michigan. But Northern Illinois would definitely be the team I would go with right now. Um, but my predictions will come out later in the summer. Um, but still, super always get excited about going to this these type of things just to be on campus and be at games. Obviously those that listen to me here on the podcast and follow the Twitter account know my journey to attend a game at all the FBS stadiums. So just getting into the stadiums, getting in the environment, being around fans, seeing seeing players and play and coaches coach, it gets me fired up and it'll be awesome to see. Um, now let's let's dive into the coach's corner segment, the weekly coach's corner segment. This week, I I am going into uh, in depth on Louisiana Tech and new head coach Sonny Cumbie. Now, Louisiana Tech last year did not have the season that that their fans are accustomed to, but we'll get into that. Let's talk about Sonny Sonny Cumbie a little bit. Um, he was the interim coach last year at Texas Tech, and, and I feel like he did he did a good job there, if you ask me. Um, I was kind of surprised that he didn't end up uh, getting, getting that job because he took him to a bowl game. I mean, he was kind of put in a tough situation. He went two and three, took him to a bowl game. They won the bowl game. So, I mean, I feel like he did everything that he could have done there. And I feel like he should have... I mean, I'm not faulting Texas Tech for who they hired at all, but especially with him being a Texas Tech alum, and it, it was just really surprising to me. I mean, he had an NFL career himself, um, had a good career as a player at Texas Tech, so it, it, it was just kind of head-scratching to me that that uh, that didn't work out there. But like I said, he had a Played in the NFL for a while, played in the indoor indoor football league, and then he went into coaching, um, became a GA at Texas Tech, and then a wide receiver coach, co-offensive coordinator. Then he went to TCU as a co-offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach. Then he was the offensive coordinator at TCU for a while, for three or four years, went to Texas Tech to be the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach last year, turned into him being the interim head coach, and then, um, obviously, has turned into him taking this job at Louisiana Tech. Um, was a part of some good Red Raider football teams as a player. Um, so, it, it, this is a guy who's been there and done that um, in the state of Texas. So, I mean, he's bringing in um, a ton of knowledge, an offensive mind, and that's what Louisiana Tech needs. Louisiana Tech, if you look at their 2021 schedule, they were really perplexing. Um, they were in almost every game. They opened the season, lost at Mississippi State by one point. So you're looking at that and you're like, okay, they're going to be pretty good. Like they, they lost by a point at an SEC team, but the very next week they turn around and lose and beat Southeastern Louisiana. 45 to 42 so that's head scratching um not, that's nothing against southeastern louisiana because they're a good fcs program but they are an fcs program nonetheless then they turn around the next week they lose to smu by two 39 to 37 so you're thinking okay you played two pretty decent 
FBS teams in, in Mississippi State and SMU, and you lost by a total of three points. You're like, okay, this team's going to be pretty decent. They turn around and beat North Texas the following week by seven. So you're like, okay, North Texas was a bowl team last year. So you're like, okay, they're going to be decent. And then they, the next week they lose at a ranked NC State team by seven. So their three losses at that point are by a total of ten points to three bowl programs. So you're like, okay, this is going to be a good season for them. And then they lose at UTEP by 16. They only score three points in that game, get throttled against UTSA. They lose at Old Dominion by three. They lose at UAB by 14. So you can see it's kind of spiraling now. They end up beating Charlotte by 10. Then they lose to Southern Miss by 16. I watched that entire game. That was when Frank Gore was a super back and just played out of his mind. It was amazing. And then they lost at Rice by four. So it was a really perplexing season for Louisiana Tech. It just uh, didn't, for whatever reason, they just couldn't get things to click. Losing some games that just were kind of head-scratching because they were in some games that, you're, that you didn't expect them to be in. So you look at their their upcoming schedule this year. Obviously, the schedule changed recently because of the changes to Conference USA. But they open this coming season at Missouri. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes for them. But they obviously played at a SEC team last year and held their own. So not going to put it past them. Then they play another good FCS program in Stephen F. Austin. Uh, play at Clemson, obviously. We know what to expect from that game. At South Alabama, that'll be an interesting game because South Alabama is is has improved themselves tremendously. However, they do lose a handful of guys, including an NFL wide receiver. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Then in conference play, they host UTEP. They go to North Texas. They host Rice. Go to FIU. Host Middle Tennessee, they go to UTSA, to Charlotte, and then they host UAB. So, I mean, there's a handful of games there at the start. The first four games of their conference schedule you look at, and th those are winnable games. Actually, the first five probably are winnable. So, I mean, that, that'll be that'll be a key stretch there for them. I, I Obviously, you look at their non-conference schedule, the two FBS teams you expect them to lose against, they need to beat the FCS team, and then that South Alabama game is a bit of a toss-up. But if they can get that game, it sets themselves up well to be 2-2 two and two going into conference play. And then their conference schedule sets up pretty favorably, if you ask me. So, I mean, there is a definite path to bowl eligibility for Louisiana Tech, especially considering what they went through last year. But adding a coach like Sonny Cumbie who comes, who's going to come in with that offensive pedigree and really set the tone from an offensive perspective is going to be a huge deal for them. Now, now that means they're going to need a quarterback, obviously. And they got that in, in transfer Matthew Downing from TCU. So I, 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 think, I think they are going to have the guy that they want to run the show to do what they want to do there. Um, so it'll be, again, I mean, he's not going to get handed the job, but you would it just, from my perspective, that's who I feel is going to be the guy. And then 
adding Devontae Lee at wide receiver transfer from LSU is going to be huge too. So they're, that's a big, big time get for them because he was a four-star guy coming out of high school. Then you look at a couple of the transfers. They got a, a corner from Stephen F. Austin, then a linebacker from Boston College, and, in, and an offensive lineman from Memphis. To go along with the high school recruits that they're bringing in, um, obviously Sonny Cumbie got hired a little later in the process. But nonetheless, he still brought in uh, middle of the pack nationally for uh, for their recruiting. But if you look at the teams that remain in Conference USA, they would be ranked third um, for their recruiting class. So considering how late he was hired, I would say he did a fantastic job in the recruiting cycle. And, I'm, and, and with his ties to Texas – and being in the state of Louisiana, obviously, I, I really feel like their recruiting can skyrocket. And, and I know there's there's a lot out there on social media between like the likes of Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe, other schools in the Sun Belt, between Louisiana Tech, and some of the things the AD has said um, that really spurred a lot of discussion when it came to conference realignment um, and put Louisiana Tech in a bad situation with some of his remarks. But I, I do feel like he made a really, really good hire here in Sonny Cumbie getting the job there because I really feel like he deserved the Texas Tech job. So, I mean, you get a guy who I personally feel like deserved a Big 12 job coming into Conference USA, I think he did a, I think they did a tremendous job there. That being said, going three and nine this past year, um, with some head scratching losses, um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can get that offense going at the clip he's going to want it to be going. Uh, it's obviously going to take some time. You can't just like plug in guys into that type of system, into that like air raid type system, and just go. It's obviously going to take time, but I think you got to a quarterback in Downing who's transferring in who you can probably rely on to help you through that process. Um, but nonetheless, it's going to take a, 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 psych, a recruiting cycle or two to get in the type of guys that he's going to want to run that system. But with that being said, there's no reason when you look at their schedule where they can't get to that six-win plateau to be bowl eligible. Just from looking at their schedule, like I said, if they're two and two in non-conference, they set up, they set themselves up really well because their first five conference games are winnable games. So, <clears throat> if you had to ask me right this second, I would have to say Louisiana Tech is going to be a bowl eligible team, uh, and and I like the hire of Sonny Cumbie uh, to do to do good things there and get the job done. Um, Hopefully for Louisiana Tech fans, he doesn't do such a good job that he leaves quickly, which I could see happening because that's a that Tech is the type of program where you can have some success because of where you're located and you can get those SEC transfers or those Big 12 transfers to come in there. So time will tell, obviously, but I think I think there's some good things in place there for them. Um, Want to conclude the show tonight? Uh, 
I have just released the TNT College Football Podcast merchandise store, so feel free to look at that. Um, you can find a link to the store in the bio to the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One, um, or my personal bio on Twitter at Coach B B Will. You can find it there. Um, but nonetheless, look at take please take a look at that and uh, support support me in the my travels throughout the country. So again, thank you everybody for listening tonight. Again, hope everybody's doing well and uh, have a good night. God bless.